Yeah. What's up, y'all? It's me. This is Good Looking Lee from the Thank Me Later podcast. Uh, I got a guest here with me. Introduce yourself. I'm Cheryl Woodruff Brooks. I'm author of Chicken Bone Beach. Oh, that's that's nice. I got that from Bone. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, you know, I appreciate you coming to talk to me. Um, you know, tell the people what you do. I uh, work at the Pennsylvania State Capitol as a legislative assistant to a really lovely lady by the name of Patty Kim. Um, kind of, I jokingly tell her I'm her Carrie Washington. Um, so that's my my day job. She ain't lying, y'all. Carrie Washington is fire. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, she is. She's fine. Yeah. Ew. Do you uh do you watch uh Scandal? Well, did you watch Scandal when it was airing? I did. Yeah. Somebody told me that uh Olivia Pope dresses better than Kerry Washington. Uh, sadly, I believed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, but yeah. she's still fine. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, what else is it that you do? Um, I write as as you know. Yeah, um, I know from for, since 2017 you're officially an author. Officially, November. Yeah, so I just recently um, got my uh, graduate degree in American Studies. Congratulations. Some A subject that I never thought I'd have an interest in. Um, that, Why not, though? Uh, honestly, uh, as a kid in school, social studies didn't really interest me. Um, and I guess I must have been a little radical even as a kid because I was already like, what about us? What about the people that look like me? That's a fact. So um, I just, it, I didn't find it interesting um, and just, you know, made the grades because I had to. I had to answer the mama. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going home talking about, oh, I like that subject, you know. So I just, I made sure I understood it. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I thought it was boring. And I mean, you wasn't wrong. So I believe from when I was in in school, I think social studies was it really was boring. It's certain I don't know. I guess it's the teaching style. I had a teacher who taught me social studies in a very uh, interactive way, and I thought it was amazing. And I thought that maybe social studies was it for me. And then I realized, uh, no, it's not. So you know. <laughs> I think I think you know you have a point though. Um, when when was it that you knew like okay I think I do have a little bit of an interest in this stuff. Um, it, it actually was one of my professors who uh, presented it in a way that intrigued me, mm-hmm. and it probably had a lot to do with growing up too, having a different appreciation, and I don't think I really understood what American studies entail, which I now understand that it's not just history. It's the study of America from uh, a variety of angles, from a cultural angle, from a literary angle. Um, and See, that, I didn't think about that until you said it. I never, I didn't consider that until you said it. I never even looked at America from a literary angle. I mean, aside from when I was learning about Langston Hughes, um, I, I don't even think I've... Wow. See, you learn something every day. You just taught me something. Yeah. I've never... I never would have put that in social studies. I never even got that out of social studies. I think my English teacher went on her way to connect the dots between 
history and and present and future with writing, but never so see. Yeah. You can uh, you can come to understand um the history of America through paintings, pictures, music. You've done a great job uh plugging <laughs> it in for me via pictures, you know. Uh your your book uh Chicken Bone Beach Look, you probably even think I remember that. I'm really nice with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, your book is uh, it's 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 good. Uh, I'm a visual learner, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not gonna lie. The first run through it was just the pictures, but the the pictures and the name of it is what got me to question it in the first place. So the first look through it was pictures, and I was just like, oh, these are really good. And then I I, I take pictures, so it was just like these are really good. And then I went back, and I was just like, these are really good for people who look like me. Because it's like you put together a a book where I'm represented. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I see women and, 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 and men who are my skin complexion. And it just was so cool to me because I'm just like, I mean, I get it in 2018, you know, black people are represented. But I just was like, not, I don't know, not, not in this form of book. Like I didn't expect that. I thought it was going to be like, you know, a black person on the cover and a few inside the book, but I I really thought, you know, it was going to be a more gentrified type of thing. And I just was like, yo, this is for us. I liked it. I said, that sounds selfish, but that's just really what I felt. No, and I think that's only natural. Um, The first part of this for me was the images, Mm -hmm. which is how it became a book. I was visiting a girlfriend in Philadelphia. We were walking down South Street and we passed this gallery and I noticed some of the photos from the window like, wow, are they black? Let's go in. We went in and... Uh, That's really all it take. Yep. That's all it take. They were happy. They were smiling. They were having fun. And how often do we look back and see our people in early 1900s, looking like they're having a good time because we all know what they had to deal with. So that definitely, the pictures said it all. And then when I actually went and looked at this photographer's collection at Temple University, I mean, I literally could have just randomly pulled pictures out of the boxes of their collection, and they all would have been a delight. There were lots of smiles and lots of spade games going on on the beach and and just people having a good time and I just I wanted people to see those photos um, and I wanted people to know more I wanted to know more I'm like what okay what's the story right okay (laughs) why are these people like this you know Michelle do you play spades I used to and was pretty good I feel like it's part of my heritage that I learned how to play spades you you don't know how to play spades? No, ma'am, I don't know how to play spades. <laughs> Yo, I don't know how to play spades. Like, you're going to look at Miss Keisha. I don't know how to play spades, but I'm I'm trying to learn. Keisha probably uh, don't know how to play spades. Good a, job, Miss Keisha. Maybe it's, it's an East Ms. Keisha Coast Keisha don't thing. know how to play spades. Nah, East they Coast play thing. in my Is house. It? They play for money in my house. And they always tell me, don't come down here. You ain't got no business down here. Because my West Coast friends seem to know dominoes. Oh, I know dominoes. Okay. Absolutely. Where my East Coast yeah. friends are like the big whist spades. See? So yeah, no, my what I'm busy with the dominoes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't play no games with that. Um, wait, do you play dominoes? 
No. So okay. how about you? All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we can definitely you see. You got to learn some. Got to learn from your people. So what I did want to ask you, though, because, you know, you you were in a different school system. You know what I'm saying? It just was a different time for us as people. It was a different time for where we were in education. You know, what was it like to see that shift? Even, like, within our culture, even on how we present ourselves, you were able to see the shift to where we just were so confident being us. And now everybody is, like... Damn, it's, if it's two things you can be grateful for in America, it's to be alive and to be black. True. So it's like, True. what was it like experiencing that shift of, of, of confidence in people? You know, I kind of was born on the brink of, by the time I got here, our parents, I have parents of the 70s, they wow. were hopeful about the future for us. And due to really, honestly, you know, um, blacks were being allowed to go into the military. And so, you know, I have um, relatives that fought in the Korean War and the Vietnam War. And then they came back and they had their struggles. But they did start to earn, like, a decent living. Some of them were becoming educated. But um, it was a time when the steel industry was booming in America and... You don't hear this anymore, but I, I have uncles or relatives that can say they work for LTV Steel for 30 years and retire with a good pension. So we were starting to see um, some of our people um, acquire material goods, have some economic standing, where before that, you know, they were lucky to get skilled labor. So I... I I think growing up for me, um, there was a lot of hope. Mm. There, our parents were able to look at us and believe that we were going to have chances that their mothers and fathers never dreamed of. We were, we were that generation, you know. Um, not that there still wasn't a sm smidgen of racism here or there, but I think um, I grew up in school at a time when our parents had were really optimistic about what the future held for us and our dreams. But do you think that that put a little bit more pressure on you because you knew that you were going to be presented with opportunities that, you know, your parents may have never been presented with? Did you, did you feel a little pressure in that? You know, I had have my... Um, my father is now deceased, but I'm sorry. I have uh, I had real liberal parents that um, didn't really put a lot of pressure on us as kids. But I had friends whose parents were picking and choosing what they were going to go to school for. Mm -hmm. They were telling them, "Yes, you are going to go to college," or you know, you would hear people saying that they wanted their children to pursue certain careers because they believed they were. Um, the most fruitful, the most stable. So, yeah, I had I had friends who told me, you know, their parents were like, oh, yes, you're going to college, or, yeah, you're going to do this. Um, but I didn't have that pressure myself. That's amazing. I and still, I'm grown, and I still have people who are like, nah, my parents ain't going to let me do that. And I'm just like, <laughs> damn, son. Still? Good for you, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, 
now there's a fear that uh that you won't be good enough because the price of living is going up. You know what I mean? You you have to maintain and and now there's a whole group of people who it's like, you know, why wouldn't you want to like go be a doctor? The price of living is going up. Doctors are getting paid more. This is how you're going to maintain when I'm going and I cannot provide you with that security net. So you doing anything else is like absurd. You know what I mean? So I still I still touch bases with people who are just like, nah, I ain't gonna lie, certain things I just can't do, yo. And they want to. They seem to be like busting at the seams of stuff they want to do. But it's like, you know, I can't afford to to disappoint my parents. So I think that that's an amazing thing that your parents gave you that space to 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 represent them but to be yourself. Absolutely. I think that that's amazing. I think that's something that we as a people should should start, you know, making sure that we we present to our children and and anybody, our cousins, our friends, you know what I'm saying? Like we we're cool and and I I want the best for you, but I don't always know what that is. I think that that's a concept that we struggle with. Well, I noticed that maybe it's the people I'm coming in contact with, but I noticed that that's something that seems to be struggled with with within people I speak to. So I think that's dope that your parents are very liberal. What, what do you think, looking at it now, do you think that there was a time where you, you wanted them to be more strict? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, of course you're gonna say that, but like you um, never, you never made any like even a business decision that she was like, yo, if my parents was here, like I probably would have did that. No, not. Oh, that's fire. Yeah, not yeah. really. Um, everybody's different, of course. You know, um, my sister and I were very different, and I will humbly say that. I realized at a really young age that I love to learn. Like, nobody had to push me in that direction. I I was always very... Damn, that's um, something we lack in. Independent, driven, ambitious. You know, if anything, Mom, if you're out there listening, she want me to slow down and not try to take on the world versus not. Um, and that's part of them, too, for not only letting me be who I want to be, but telling me I could do anything I want with my life. And I think that I mean, I still think that's a good thing. But those same, you know, those people encourage me to dream big. And so I I have certainly tried. Um, but, yeah, I think my parents really play more of a role with me learning um, about life and common sense because they saw I had book sense. But they were more concerned about me walking out that door just being naive <laughs> about yeah, everything yeah. else. Yeah, that's a parent so. for you. That's dope. You know, you come from, seem to come from an amazing background, and that's that's amazing. Um, Miss Keisha got that rock on her finger, boy. Oh, Miss Ke- <laughs> Don't be trying to hide. <laughs> Miss Keisha got that rock on her finger, boy. <laughs> she can split it up and make us all a ring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got that thing on you. This is a weapon too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You didn't even have to I say that part. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we know Miss Keisha got that thing on her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we know she. Listen, she's always secure. Um, did you grow up in 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 the city? Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, in the inner city. I went to public schools. 
Um, I had like a bad Cleveland joke, but I can't crack on Cleveland. My uh my listeners in Cleveland are coming through for me, so I ain't I ain't got nothing. No bad. Nothing blood, but love. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland, thank you. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I and I'm a LeBron fan, so you know. Yeah, can't do that. Do, are you a LeBron fan? Yes, I am. All right, cool, cool. Brought my jersey with me to wear while I was oh, here. Oh, what's up, Miss Keisha? He spent about $41 million sending kids to school. He sure, he sure did, and people don't talk about that. Mm-mm. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about how LeBron develops these children. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron is a great man. I ain't yeah. got no bad words for LeBron. Yeah. You can play a bad game, but you can't pretend that he ain't. he's not a good man. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so you grew up in Cleveland. What, what, how'd you get to New York? What, what was that journey like? <laughs> I, uh, I finished school. I got my uh, MBA in marketing, and I knew I always wanted to get out of Cleveland. And what school did you go to? Case Western Reserve. Okay. I knew I wanted to live somewhere else. Um, the other piece of that was though, I had this. I had two, it was a two part decision coming to New York. I also wanted to pursue um, the arts. So I was basing like all my job interviews on places where I could still be involved in the arts or interview with companies out in LA, New York, Atlanta. And uh, culturally, I was just drawn to New York and knew that this was, this was gonna be the choice. So I took a job with uh, IBM and um, did that by day and you know, doing open mic stuff by night. So what you've been singing since a child. Yeah. Did you look that up? Did you yeah. already know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm I'm number one for a reason. I do my I homework. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm not where I used to be. I just can't be bringing people up here and I don't know why. So, yeah, I checked that out. You know, yeah. you're a singer. Um, how you, Were you in a choir? Were you raised in a church? Yep. Yeah, I figured I you did your homework, though. Yeah, yeah. I sure so, did. I sure yeah. <laughs> I was you know, that's what we figured when I read that. <laughs> you know, I don't care if you, like, wheezy. You yeah. usually end up saying, you know, I started listening to music in the church. I was yes. in the choir as a kid. It yeah. all starts there. But, yep, whole family sings. Oh, that's so, I was yeah. actually in the choir when I was a kid. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. I, I used to, I, I played the drums, too. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in the church. I was in the church all the time. I was in a church. What uh can I ask what what religion were were you raised in? Baptist. I love Baptist. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't identify with a religion. I was baptized Catholic. But mm-hmm. uh I've been to uh Baptist churches and you know, you know, black people just can break it down when it comes to the music. So I was always yeah. that was always my favorite part of church. Just was the music. Yeah. I ain't really yeah, everything else I always felt like I think because I was conflicted inside i always felt like they was talking about me and and sometimes i think they was <laughs> sometimes they be talking about all of you it just yeah. depends on the day yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure they was talking about me but i mean that's neither here nor there i never cared anyway because i kept showing up but my mother did raise me in a church and uh baptist church is cool pentecostal yeah. churches give it up yeah they, they, we got the best choirs exactly you don't know say we got the best choirs um what what influence though did did being raised in the church have on your music? I wanted to lyrically write words that would affect people. 
I didn't want to just be doing no like pop, ooh, boo, yeah, you my, be- you know, I didn't want, to, I didn't want to do that kind of stuff. I, I wanted to say something that came from the heart, really meant something. Um, but I was, I was reeled into writing some of those kind of pop bullcrap songs. Yeah, I was songs, getting I there. Call. I know they got you. Yeah, but I wanted to write words that people could sit at home and go. I know just what you mean, Cheryl. I know. Like, I've been through, I, you know, I wanted to write those kind of words. Right. That was important um, because I feel like what comes from the heart reaches the heart, mm. you know. So I would try to really, really make sure the words were something that were universal, you know, as I learn about songwriting, some of the best songs are the, they, lyrically they say what everybody can relate to. Supreme, you can't hurry love. No, you just have to wait. Damn, love, I needed that, Michelle. Love don't come easy. I, I mean, needed that like, today, Michelle. Okay, that been on my head a you lot. Can't hurry love. It yeah, just yeah, came. you're right. You absolutely wow. See, <laughs> God work in mysterious ways because I needed that just now because that been on my mind. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so do, do you have a, a you you have a single? Is it a single or is it a project? I have a single. Mm. It's been out now for about 4 months or so. How's it doing? I get mad airtime yeah, in the United Kingdom. Shout out yes, sir. to the DJs in the yes, UK sir. for loving soul. And I'm British too, so yeah. yes, sir. Godfrey Fletcher, what's up? <laughs> I can just start just yes, calling them sir. out. Uh, Peter Peter Smedley. I mean, um, yeah. So I get a I get a lot of airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are people are so busy downloading and and there's so many ways to listen to music. You know, free of charge. Um, it just changed the industry. This thing called the World Wide Web. But um, I I do music because I love music. Mm-hmm. I, it don't have to pay the bills. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's but I do sell teach. records. But um, it, it it's not in the it's not in the balance sheet as okay. I need to sell if I'm gonna do if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pay this light bill. I need to sell twenty records. It's not that's not how mm. you know I'm doing it. So I have a gig and that's yeah. right, Miss Sherry. You ever been to the UK? Nope, but you're, you're not gonna it's take that trip? Um, oh yes, I am. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 I want to go. Yeah, make Most it happen. Definitely. Make it happen. Uh, speaking of the UK, I'll definitely be in London in August. Uh, I might be out there twice, so make sure y'all get me on this radio station, man. Um, what about uh? See, look, I just lost my train of thought. I get excited when I talk about the UK. Um, <laughs> what was I about to ask you? Oh, so with your single uh doing very well, you know, are we looking forward to you know a full length album? We looking to an EP, just a few singles. What you gonna do with that? Uh, I'll probably do another project. Uh, next year, I want to stay focused on the book for a while, okay. and just really try to put it out there, build the momentum, right. let it start to take wings, take off. Um, I put out a CD in the time has flown, 2016. Mm. So I've only put out two singles since, but yeah, um, probably next year. I still. Yeah. So uh, explain, you know. Chicken Bone Beach to to my listener who's never seen your book or has never picked that up. Sure. Uh, Chicken Bone Beach. Uh, it was established as Missouri Avenue Beach. 
in Atlantic City. Uh, it got its nickname from um, the people who clean the beaches every day because, of course, on Missouri Avenue Beach where blacks were not allowed to patronize any of the restaurants on the boardwalk, they brought their own food uh, in picnic baskets to the beach and because uh, chicken held up well um, in the heat. That's how it got its name. Um, just a little bit of American history. Um, Atlantic City was one of the first cities in America to become a resort town. They built a railroad or two, and uh, they marketed themselves as uh, a tourist attraction, and the people came. Uh, early 1900s, uh, white America comes from the South um, at a time when the Jim Crow laws were in full force and see whites and blacks co-mingling socially on these beaches, and they are not happy about that and demand that hotel owners ask blacks to remove themselves from the beaches in front of the hotels that they were patronizing. These hotel owners wrote letters to the black churches in Atlantic City and politely asked blacks to socialize exclusively on Missouri Avenue Beach. And Missouri Avenue Beach becomes one of the most popular, glamorous beaches in the 1930s, primarily due to music, jazz, um, and then the other piece, so I have a lot of pictures that an African-American photographer by the name of John Mosley took every summer visiting the beach. Um, his photos landed in many a newspaper and many a, a magazine across America. Um, the people who lived on, near Chicken Bone Beach were blacks, and the area they lived in was called the North Side. So they, pay, they play an important role in Chicken Bone Beach in that because they were not allowed to use any of the businesses in Atlantic City, the banks, the taxi services, they, they weren't allowed. There, were, there was two of everything, like it was in a lot of cities at that time. They began to open their own businesses, and they began to market the north side as a tourist attraction for blacks, and it caught on. And there were people coming from around the country to Chicken Bone Beach. So it was impressive in that they, um, they opened up about 250 of their own businesses, uh, funeral homes, bed and breakfasts, taxi services, banks. Um, which allowed them to develop their own very strong middle class. And this was a time when, again, there's no welfare, there's no unemployment, and these people began to function as a thriving community by doing just what their white counterparts were doing and, and making a really good name for themselves and a decent living. That's dope. That's dope. It's, it's, I think for me, when I first saw the book, when I met you, I was just like amazed as like a black entrepreneur. It's like, cause I always say everything's connected. Nothing's new. You know what I'm saying? Everything has been done. So it was just like that reminder, like, yo, this, I could do it. Like I could do it. It's been done. 
it's been done with less mm-hmm. i can do it you know what i'm saying it was just like that reminder that i needed like yo yo you could do this and and i think that that's what was that's what drew me into it and talking to you because you you put that together like if you didn't put that together i would have never known i i would have never and i've been to atlantic city more than a few times but i i would have never known that you know my people really put atlantic city on i didn't know that and i mean yeah i believe i read a lot and you know i like to teach myself things but i just don't see it i don't think it was something i would have found out on my own you know what i'm saying and so i think that what you did that was that was dope you know what i'm saying what what was it like to get like the images together for the book it was a process i think i I went back and forth. I lived about I live about ninety minutes from Philadelphia, um, so I had to schedule myself to have research time, um, and I would just be uh, sitting in the archivist at Temple, would pull out all these boxes and just let me have at it. Wow. And I didn't really, you know, this is all new for me. I'm really just doing this initially to write a paper for an American studies conference. That that was the whole thing. Not thinking book, not thinking any of that. Just want to write a quality paper. And so I knew I needed to look at more than just the photos I saw that day in a window. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, finding a, a buried treasure. And um, I remember one of the persons working in the library was like, really kind of looking at me like, you want to see all of these? Like, they, a lot of them, they just look the same. And I'm thinking, okay, that's what you say, you know. Um, but I, I, the, as I looked at all of these pictures, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I said, this, this can't be it. Like, this can't be me just writing this paper and looking at all these beautiful pictures and not doing something. And then I found out, that outside of Charles L. Bloxon, who's like in his 80s now, he um, he became like a historian as a child. And so now this, this whole library is named after him. He's the only um, person who ever published a work that showed any of this man's pictures. And to find out I had the opportunity to be the second person to kind of put those pictures out in in such a large way, I was like, okay, this, this, the light bulbs just started going off. It's like, I might really do something right here. Right. And the pictures were gorgeous. Now, I picked, the pictures I picked, uh, I categorized in the six chapters, but I could have, I could have kept going. You know, mm-hmm. he had pictures of political and civic leaders that I didn't include, um, there could have been, you know, churches. Um, so I, I, I could have kept going and, and kept adding to this story, but I felt like um, I had a, a solid six categories to, like, try to gather more history. After I started looking at the pictures, I asked the librarians, I'm like, you got the names of any of these people? Like, John Mosley had not written down names. Dude, this was his hustle. He would take pictures Go back to Philadelphia, like old-fashioned, no, not old-fashioned, but back in the day when you had to develop a picture. Right. Right, it didn't happen overnight. And then he would go back to Atlantic City and sell those pictures. Mm-hmm. 
but he had to go back and forth. I'm like, how do you end up thousands of pictures? Um, so they didn't have any names because he didn't write any names. They said, well, every now and again we find out somebody's name in this picture when we hold an exhibit or someone else asks to borrow the pictures and hold an exhibit. And so that's why, how we've gotten the names we got. I said, well, I need those names. If they're still alive, I want to talk to some of these people. They put me in touch with this woman who um, decided to start the Chicken Bone Beach Historical Foundation. And she was like, I guess I was, I needed her and she needed me. Right. You know, and she just grabbed my hand and took me around Atlantic City. Like, that um, must be amazing. Like, this young lady wants to interview you. This, you know, mm -hmm. and th those people, 80, 90, 70, they were so, um, they were so excited that I wanted to interview them. But I'm like, I'm so excited to meet you. Right. You know, like, you know, it's right. like, I'm honored. It is my honor to um, stand here and talk to someone who owned a nightclub in the 30s and, and was able to take care of, you know, two, three generations of their family or whatever the case. So, right. yeah, I, I, I just, it was, it was just this story. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to know, okay, I got these pictures. So who are you all and what are you, what have you done? What do you do? Yeah. And the stories that I uncovered were just like, wow. You know, like yes, it it must be an amazing feeling. You know what I'm saying? You probably learned a lot from these people. Um, it was a glamorous time. You know, mm -hmm. they 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 weren't just um, they weren't just starting up businesses. You know, they they were um, a thriving, positive community, moving and shaking, and leaders and just you know just dynamic influencers, just all that. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. So, um, Michelle, what would you say is your mission? Hmm. These a, are some good questions. I'm really just out here just shocking it. myself. Jesus. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, so good with this, boy. Ah. As it pertains to Chicken Bone Beach in particular, my... I believe my mission is to be an informant um, in, to America at large and the world at large, but in particular to African-American people to say, here is a template of a community who struggled and didn't have it as good as we have it today. And... They did okay, right. and you can do it too. And um, it's so much more prevalent today because, you know, all it took is just one, um, one incident, the election, that changed a, the climate in our country, like, overnight. And so we're back at addressing some of the same issues that I dug up old history on. Dang, we're talking about segregation again. Right. We're talking about Jim Crow again. Um, so my my mission is is to basically, in a nutshell, be an informant, an informant of the good of the history of our people. Because we, we haven't heard it. We haven't heard enough of it. There's so much we don't know. We're just now hearing about a sister that got a white man on the moon. 
Right. That's, we're just now hearing about, we just now hearing yeah. about that? Yeah, you know, so I get all like worked up and I, you know, and I, I'm all, <laughs> that's a, that's like, that's why I let you do whatever you want in here. Cause you remind me of all my black aunties. Can't, you know, you can't slow that train down. You just got to let them go. Yeah. Nah, you but know. you're absolutely right. So, um, th- there's a whole lot of untold stories. Right. And I, I want, I want the world to know, um, I think they already know we the bomb, um, because culturally we're the most imitated in all the universe. Um, but uh, I want um, other people to see that we're made of more of that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were a resilient, talented, influential people in small communities around this country. Because Chicken Bone Beach is not the, the only story of a community that relied upon each other and built wealth um, and took care of each other. So, I think that uh, I think what you're doing is important because uh, I've seen all the slave photos and the videos and the films, and I appreciate them. It they they were something that uh, I believe we need to see. But I do think that uh, the positive representation of us is is like just so important. It's, it's I'm even gonna go as far to say that it's detrimental because. It's it's like, yo, look where we came from. We could do it. So I think that people, especially people from, like, my generation, need to know that I understand. Like, we get it. It gets hard. That don't mean that it's not worth it. A lot of people feel like because it's hard that, you know, it's not. It's just like, all right, cool, I'm I'm done with it. Or, well, I don't want to do this. I should just be safe and, and go do something that I hate doing. Listen, it can be done. It's been done before us. You can continue to push the envelope, it can be done. So I think what you're doing is very important. And that's why I made it my business to get you up here to the best show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it had to happen. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you too, though, as a musician, you know, what? no, first, as a writer, what are you reading right now that's giving you inspiration? Damn, Lee, that was good. That was. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. What man. am I reading? I. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, um, <clears throat> you know, once you get into a certain field and you, you start to meet so, so many more of people like you that I've got, I have traded through book signings, I have traded books with about six di- different authors and I got them all stacked up at home trying to figure out whose book I'm going to read first. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, there's a big old pause on um, what book I'm reading right now. Okay. Yeah. So so what about as a musician? What are you listening to right now? I listen to everything. Um, J. Cole has definitely what? got... Make sure you listen to J. Cole. Yo, that's what's up. He got something to say. This is true. This is your... Now that you say that, yes, I can see you listening to a J. Cole and a Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Um... Are you listening to any of the, the, the not so? I can't say that neither because I, I scream those lyrics. So, are you listening to anybody else that, that whose message may not, be something that you, downright agree with? <laughs> Controversial artists. Hmm. I took a listen. I took a listen to Cardi B. Just, I knew that was just merely out of curiosity. And what did you think? 
<laughs> what y'all didn't hear was a hmm from nah, Keisha. Nah, nah, Matt. Listen, hmm. Matt, we, you know we both trying to know what she thought. Because uh, Matt's wife loved, uh, loved Brianna. She loves Cardi B. So I would love to see you know, what you get from it. I can see why people like Cardi B. Okay. Um, she's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She, I think we, we as humans are drawn to vulnerability. Okay. Um, it's something about the way she's putting out this content that right. you don't agree with. Right. She's she's no filter, but she's so honest and raw, mm-hmm. and I think that's the attraction. Um, but I don't necessarily agree agree with. Um, I, I live a different life, you know what I mean? Right. So it's hard for me to, you know, really buy my head not and agree with, with some of what she's talking about because that's not my life. That doesn't mean she isn't talented, you know. It just that's means... That's absolutely right. She can still be good and you don't agree. Right. That's But the fact that you were able to recognize that is something that I don't see from many people. I think that that's... That's also something that may come with maturity because now, like, I'm on social media and it's like, oh, nah, she's garbage, she's trash. But I can't say that she hasn't said something that resonated with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, whether I agree, I didn't even like Cardi B when Cardi B first came out. I just thought she was very loud and annoying. I understand now. I'm, I'm, I can say I do love Cardi B, but I understand now and I can understand that transition of what you're used to. And where things are going. Because I even got caught in that. And I'm just like, what y'all seeing this? Like, But I absolutely understand. And I think the way that you can convey that her stuff is good. You know, you don't agree. But the stuff is good. I think that that is something that I, I'm... I'm currently striving to achieve. I don't I don't down anybody, at least not intentionally, and I don't think I've done it on air. But I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've done it in my text messages, but it ain't right. I, I can acknowledge that some people are good and I just don't agree with them. I think that that's dope, Miss Cheryl. Thank you so much for teaching me that. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know what my fifteen year old son told me, you know, when I when I voiced a, a bit of my opinion, um, of not necessarily being attracted to her C D he says, she's not stripping no more. <laughs> I said, well, he has a point. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then he meant it. He's like, ma, she, you know, like she's she's making an honest living and she's not in the club with the clothes off, whatever. And I'm like, that's the way to look at it. And, you know, generationally, and I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not old. Heck, you know, I'm sitting here telling you, I, I listen to rap. I grew, I'm in that Jay-Z generation and Biggie. That's that's my gen. So I'm part of the... Look at Miss Keisha like, right. yeah, girl, yeah. tell them. Right. Because <laughs> all you got to say around one fact. of us is... That's a fact. A couple of words of rapper's delight, and we all, we just dive right in, you know, that's so it's not... But I think this generation is a by any means necessary generation. I'm going to have a hustle... Make a living and be rolling the dough. Yes, I am. Hook or crook. However, I got to do it. That's right. what I'm doing. Right. If it's rapping, if it's stripping, if it's selling, I'm going to find a way to have my piece of the pie. That's their attitude. And I ain't mad at them for that. I'm right. not. Right. You know? And that's dope because, you know, not everybody is so understanding. Sometimes it's just like, nah, that's not where I'm from. That's bad. That's wrong. 
you didn't one thing I can't say you did here was label it wrong. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I appreciate. Because even like what you're around, it rubs off so crazy that when she came out, I thought she was wrong for what she was doing. I can honestly say that. I was just like, yo, what's so special about her? Like you think that that's how you supposed to be? But I'm not Cardi B. Like I haven't faced what she's faced. I'm not I I can't even I don't you know what it's like. Walk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that what she's doing is wrong cuz I don't know that what I'm doing is right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I had to I had to really sit down wow, and Wow, that's like, real mature. Ain't, yeah. ain't it? Thank you so wow. much. Thank you. You know, I you you are one of the interviews that I'm I was like, you know, I got I could do something with this because I get to prove to myself first and to my listeners that I'm versatile. This is my very first interview. I haven't cursed one time. I haven't cursed one time. For real? Out of respect. Yes, you want to curse? Go no, right no ahead. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I won't do it. Uh, absolutely not. Did she just call me ma'am? Nah, it's out of respect. I swear. I don't think you all. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah, nah. I, I, I actually, uh, I went to school in North Carolina, so, you know, it's it's really a respect thing. But this is my very first interview. I have not cursed. Um, and I only used one sound effect, and that was the audience. In what the else beginning. you got? I got, like, air horns and all kinds of crazy stuff. But Are you it, a lot sillier? Absolutely. Oh, you know, absolutely. I was concerned. I'm like, is she going to, like, be busting on me in this interview? Absolutely, <laughs> if you were anybody else. Oh. I thought, I was, <laughs> yeah, and you should be worried because this is what I do. But <laughs> I knew I had the opportunity with you coming here, a woman of your stature, and I'm also exercising my vocabulary all night. Uh, I knew <laughs> that I had the opportunity to show my listeners and myself and uh, my engineer that I'm very versatile. You know what I mean? Because, I don't know, I just got to a point where, for me, I was just like, is this it? Uh, Do you crack jokes and use every curse word and every sound effect that you have? Are you compensating for something? Do you feel like you can't give a good interview? And that's not how I feel. I feel like I give amazing interviews. So I wanted to exercise that with your interview. Yes. Yeah. 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 So having someone like me just took you to another plateau. Yeah. Yeah, Aww. absolutely. Because when you when you meet people, you know off their energy, you know, you know how how you have to maneuver with them. I never felt like I couldn't be myself with you. I just felt like I could be a better self. So it was just like from when I met you, it was like, "All right, cool. We're going to make the interview happen, but I'm also going to make sure that I step it up. It wasn't going to be just another interview." So, you know, I'm 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 grateful. You yeah. know. Did you have fun? It's over. Uh yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, I did. Um, Absolutely. That's good. You uh you impressed me from our first conversation. Thank you so much. And I haven't stopped telling people. Yeah, I met this this young lady and uh yeah. She she's Are you going back up? Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. So. Thank you. Uh, tell people where they can find you, uh, where they can contact you, where they can check out your stuff. Absolutely. You can go to my website if you're interested in uh, purchasing Chicken Bone Beach for yourself at Cheryl W. Brooks Author.com. You can also find me on, you can just Google me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, that's pretty much where I live in those two two realms. And Cheryl Woods is my is my artist name. So that's good. You can find me out there under either stature. So I better not never get a message from Miss Cheryl that y'all been in her DMs. I'm not playing with none of y'all. Stay out, Miss Cheryl. <laughs> DMs. If you ain't talking about no money, 
Miss Cheryl don't want you on her DMs. Stay on her <laughs> DMs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, thank you so much, Miss Keisha. Thank you for coming. Uh, I hope you ladies have had an amazing time. I had an amazing time talking to you. Uh, to my listeners, you know, y'all know how we rock it, man. I love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. You know, this is a very big interview for me. Y'all don't know me not to curse. And uh, it feels good. So thank y'all for listening, man. I'm out of here.